This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Said Captain Cam of the O-line and competition uh, periods, right? He says, I relish those opportunities. It's a chance for me to sharpen my craft. It's a chance for them to get better. You will never see me back down from a competition. Man, that puts the hairs on the back of my neck kind of just stand up, man. It goes back, harkens to the day when I was staring eyeball to eyeball with Mean Joe Green and Dwight White and Jack Splat and all those great players of years past. But the guy who has done mano a mano, you know, uh, going after it with, with Captain Cam is right here, and that would be you, Max Starks. What say you about what Captain Cam had to say? That that's exactly right. That that is that is the competitor's edge. That is you know you know I look at it and I say this is also the Steelers' way. You know True. we don't want anybody that that's going to blink or flinch. You know staring down you know the impossible opponent or the tough adversary. You want somebody that's going to go stand toe to toe, look him in the eyes, and dare him to blink and face that adversity head on and fight. And that's one of the things that just makes. Football so great, and especially for Cam. You wonder, what does it take to be an elite-level player in the NFL? It's that right there. Right. That phrase right there lets you know everything I need to know to be a successful player. But also, it lets me know everything I need to know about the character of this team, the leadership style that Cam possesses at the same time. Because I've been that guy. Right. Right. I've been that guy as well. When you look down the barrel, you've been that guy as well. When you look down the barrel, you see across from you, you see a DeMarcus Ware. You see a Terrell Suggs. You see Michael Johnson, who actually was staring eye to eye with me because he's six foot seven. Um, you know, you look at Alden Smith. You look at Elvis Dumerville. You look at James Harrison. You look at all of these guys in the face, Aaron Smith, Brett Kiesel, Kimo Von Olhoff. You look these guys in the eye and you say, I'm not scared. Hey, this is why we play the game. Right. Let's see, out of the accumulation of plays, who's the better man. And that was my ethos when I played was I wanted to make you quit. I wanted to look you in your eyes, and I wanted to see the quit in your eyes. I wanted to see the resolution, the compromises that you are going to be willing to make to make me stop. That's what I went for, and that's exactly what Cam is daring people to do by making that statement is I'm waiting for you to come across the line and offer terms, right? I'm not offering any quarter. I don't seek any quarter, but <laughs> right. you are, I'm going to make you come across and come to a compromise, right? I'm going to make you come and sign those papers. And I can't wait for that day. And I've had, I'm not going to lie, Wolf. I've had a number of guys who have looked me in the eye and they fit and, and they're like, Hey, can we make a deal? Oh yeah. Can, can, can we yeah. make a deal? And that and it usually comes in the fourth quarter when inevitability starts to creep over them. Business decisions, <laughs> yeah. No doubt. All Absolutely. Right. Let's break this Ask down. Ask the DB that has to tackle Derrick Henry or Jerome Bettis. Oh yeah. Ask him if he's ever if he's ever had to make that compromise. <laughs> you know what? I, I always go back to Heinz Ward telling the story of it was a corner from uh, the Ravens and I, Chris uh, McAllister. 
Okay, that's who it was. Yeah. And in in late in the fourth quarter, after you guys had the lead and you're doing the bussy thing, you know, hand off the bussy first down, hand off the bussy second down, hand off the bussy third down, that sort of thing over and over. And the I, same I, play though, the same yes. formation too, Wolf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. There was no secrets. There was no secret. It was an open book test at that point. <laughs> yes. So you guys are thumping the Ravens on one of those two trains, one track late in the fourth quarter, and Hines is, is tangling up with McAllister. And McAllister says, hey, ease up. I'm in no hurry to go over there and get in front of Bussy. You know, and I think that's exactly yes. what you're talking about. That's a true statement from a true competitive guy, Hines Ward, who was just as much a blocker as he was a receiver. Absolutely. There, there, there is – there's a lot of guys who made – I mean, even for some great defensive tackles and great defensive ends, I, some guys are like, hey, man, listen, I'm just, I'm just trying to get out of this game healthy because I got plans uh, after the season. Right. I've literally had grown men tell me that. Or, hey, hey, man, hey, let's try and keep this clean. Hey, man, we'll wrestle. You don't do anything, I won't do anything. And once you hear that, it's like, really? I'm like, dude, no. No, that's not how I operate. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I have to win. I have this is this is gladiatorial. I mean, I'm sorry. I said gladiatorial spectacle. Yes. I am here to to impress. I am here to fight. Like I didn't put this entire outfit on and squeeze myself into the spandex to 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 have a brother-in-law session. Right, <laughs> like, right. There's easier ways for us to hang out. This is not where I choose to hang out. Yes, <laughs> chill. Like this is a place of immense stress. And you are putting stresses, and I and we're competing to see who's the better person. This is mano y mano. Yeah, I'm going to prove I am better than you, and everybody in the stadium and everybody watching at home is going to know it. <laughs> and that's how I want to play. <laughs> there you go. One of the great parts. Let's let's break this down, okay? He says uh, this is what Cam said. I relish those opportunities. Now he's talking about the competition periods at you know in practice that you had the live goes. Uh, because every there's a thud period and then there's a live go period, like for one-on-ones, that sort of thing. Um, so he says, I relish those opportunities. You know, you, you watch the guys. You can tell who wants to get better. You can tell by the body language, by the way they move, by the way they talk. You know, it's like backs on backers. You watch who really wants to tangle. You know, who really wants to get out there yeah. and show what, you, you know, because you see some guys, they're getting lost in the line. You know, they're like in the back, they're like, oh, John Norwig, I, I got to tape up my finger, you know, or, or uh, hey, hey, Wig, can you tie my shoe? Um, you know, the, something where, you know, they're not locking eyes with Mike Tomlin or waiting for Mike Tomlin to call them out. They're giving themselves a little, what, seeking comfort would be. What, what I would call it. You can tell in those one-on-one periods, and, and Cam says, I relish those opportunities. Talk about that. Well, I, th- I think one of the things is is that you, you're always looking for that confrontation, right? You're always looking for that competitive opportunity. And those who embrace that moment, that embrace that opportunity that's presented in front of you, are often the ones who are going to thrive and overcome in a lot of those situations. So you're constantly seeking it. You're never waiting for it to be advanced to you. You're the one kind of taking the charge in those opportunities when it comes, but you also need the opportunity right, <laughs> to, to present itself. And I think that's what Cam's got to say. I relish those opportunities. I look forward to them. I can't wait for them. I know they're, I know they're coming, but 
I, I want them. I want them. I desire them. And then when they do present themselves, I'm ready. Because the second you say, you know, you're not prepared, you're preparing to fail. And you always have to, you know, the phrase I, I love I love telling and all my boys say, hey, if you stay ready, you never got to get ready. <laughs> yeah. And and th- and that that's a that that's kind of a tone to that. Yes. That's saying, yes, listen, I am I'm ready for this. I've been waiting for this. In fact, you know, I I set my uniform out the night before waiting waiting for this moment. You know, in Pop Warner days you used to lay out your uniform the night before a game. <laughs> that means you were relishing the opportunity like I know what's I know what happens when I open my eyes tomorrow. It's game day. <laughs> it's an opportunity to go compete. And right. that, and that's kind of what he's talking about. You know, he, and he continues, all right, number one is those guys that really want to get after it. You know, I mean, and like you said, you've had guys that are saying, hey, yeah, basically I, I want to tap out this period or what have you. They don't want to increase their abilities. They don't want to, you know, spend the effort and the energy in doing that. But for Cam, he says, it's a chance for me to sharpen my craft. And that's exactly it. It's iron sharpens iron. You know, but it also says, and this is part of being a good teammate, it's a chance for them to get better. He's thinking about his teammates as well. I'm going to bring my best, so you better buckle up, buddy, because I'm going to test you, and you're going to have the opportunity to better yourself. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a very diplomatic, leader, leaderly thing to say. I'm just going to put that out. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good hey, one. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, exactly. That's the PSA part of this statement. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Want to come get better? Here, let me terrorize you. Don't worry. You'll get better. (laughs) You'll learn what you're bad at. (laughs) Well, you know, Cam says, you will never see me back down from a competition. And, I I mean, I love that. That's just part of being the leader. You know, he wears leadership like water wears wet. You know, I mean, that guy is yes. one of the, he leads from the front, and you totally respect that. And I love it because he's got enough confidence now in his own abilities and what he's done and what his resume says and what the tape says about him that he can stand out and say, yeah, I'm going to bring my best, but you, hey, I want you to be your best. And at this point in time, I think that's what makes, you know, we all go through, you know, when you first check into the NFL, you're a young guy, you know, you got that, you go through that cowboy stage, you know, you're a little crazy, you're a little bit nutso, that sort of thing. But gradually you work up to being, eh, in your own little tiny world, the king, you know, at your position, if you're a starter and so forth. And it's really, you mature as you go along and you learn how to, it's not just yourself, but also about the guys around you. And you start looking at that and thinking of those factors. And I think that's where Cam is. You know, he's just right now, he is, you know, in that, he's the king. And I think that he calls out others in a way that is responsible and uplifting and and gives them something to strive for. Well, a true leader is one who raises the, 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 the standards of those around him, right? It raises the, the normal modus operandi that they operate at. You know, it, it forces you to be better because you know better's around you. And I think that's what Cam, you know, constantly exhibits, right? He's looking for it. He's craving it because he knows he wants to get better. Right. And if I want to get better, everybody around me should want to get better or it's an opportunity to get better. Every every time you step on that field, every time you put your hand in the dirt, every time you line up for a snap is an opportunity to get better. Even in a game, that's what you're striving for. Every play to be better than the last. And as long as you continue to keep searching for that, you're going to end up in a good place. 
Look at where Cam's career has taken him with that attitude and with that mentality. Look what it's done for your team with that attitude and that mentality. And those are the things we we require, we desire someone to be like that. You look at any organization around here, look at any of the Fortune 500 corporations, and that's what you're surrounded by. The CEO must be that guy to keep you at that level. Right. You must be around those guys because he elevates those around him. He they, they elevate. Leaders have a natural way of influencing you know, subconsciously as well as as well as consciously, how to get the best out of your other people around you in your circle, the common goal that we're working for. How can you do that? And Cam is a great example of how to do it. He he literally leads from the front. And I think that's one of the things that makes him a great leader on this team. And when he speaks, you listen. Except for when he's yelling at you across the field because <laughs> he thinks the defensive won a snap. But other than that, I mean, you know. But I, but 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 the core base principle, that's what leadership is. That's what leadership right. looks like, and that's what leadership sounds like. You know, it's funny because when you have the O-line and the D-line together, and you got those one-on-ones, it's, uh, you know, the, the intensity rises automatically, you know, because you know the live go is about that. And back in my day, we used to refer to it as Highlander. There can only be one, you know, one left standing, that sort of thing. You know, and, and it's important that you get into the – what did Chuck used to say? Get into the emotion, not the emotion, the enthusiasm of the moment. In other words, get that intensity, the mental RPMs going, jack it up there, because you want to be able to learn how to reload and turn the page when you when you win, when you lose. You know, I mean, when you stand out there and do these drills, you know, it's it. Number one, you you you're telling everybody who you are by the way you go at it. You know what I mean? And the second thing about it is the fact is that you also learn from these one-on-one encounters. If you lose the first one, because generally you take two. You know, that's sometimes you got to go a third is a rubber match, that sort of thing. But you take two. And and if you lose one, you've got to stay composed and stay in the moment and not lose your head, which is important because in a game, you can't say, oh, gee, I I screwed up. I'm, I'm taking myself out. That doesn't work. You can't do that. You know, so the thing is, you got to stay in there and reload and learn to turn the page mentally and be prepared to come right back and correct whatever you just screwed up and then be able to correct it there in live time. Yeah, it, 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 it is an exercise in replication, right? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. You're, oh, hoopio like that. It. Say that yeah. again. It's an exercise in replication. <laughs> because there we go because you go you you go through these drills in practice you go through these plays in practice you watch game film and you try and mimic in your head what you think is going to happen given this certain front and this type of look and then you go out to the game and it's like a board meeting you know it's everything i've studied and talked about and researched and done background check now i have to go prove that it's true or false right it's the practical application of what you're trying to replicate. And I think that's, you know, the biggest thing that I, I look back on my career and I'm like thinking about the, the hours that I spent watching film, the hours of taking extra sets, the hours of pouring over technique and, and defensive game plans versus our offensive schematics. I mean, all of those things. That, and then you get, you get that tangible outcome in a live competition at the end of the week or the beginning of the week, however you look at it. Um, but that's that's just how, 
you know, it, you have to be wired and you have to embrace that. You have to enjoy the process of it. You can't sit there and just enjoy, or like you said, you know, counting and looking around and, and remembering, oh man, I messed this up. Oh my good. Well, the next play is going to happen in the next 40 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, you need to flush it, <laughs> forget it or harness it, but don't lose the lesson within it. If it was a successful play, what did I do to make this successful? If it was bad, what did I do to make it wrong? And you're course correcting live in-game during a drive, and then you're going to the sideline and you're getting the full assessment of what just transpired so that the next time you go out, you're better equipped, better ready to combat whatever the bad or the low plays is, but you can't think of it in real time. That assessment's on the sideline after right. we've scored or after the, after the drive is over. You can't think about it from play to play because that's what they talk about. Bad plays, you don't want bad plays bleeding into the next play. Right. You've got to have, you know, you hate, you, you know, I, I know it's a sensitive way to use this, but you have to have short term memory loss in a good way um, <laughs> when you're on the field. If it's a no bad problem. Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just stop it. <laughs> Agreed. Move on. <laughs> the last point I want to make here. You know, these drills, the one-on-ones, you know, they teach you composure. And one of the first things I learned about Marquise Pouncey, I remember this watching him, he got up for one-on-ones. It was one of his first up at training camp. And he, he got smoked. I forgot who it was. Somebody clubbed him, and he just blew by him. And I and I, I remember turning to somebody there, and probably Tunch, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of convinced. And I said, the real test will be, does he turn into a brawler here, or does he stay with his technique? You know what I mean? Because you know how it is. One-on-ones, the crowd is there. They're hooting and hollering. The, your peers are there. They're hooting and hollering. The coaches are there, and they're kind of putting the screws to the intensity factor going up and everything else. And when you, you're out there and you lose badly, especially the first one-on-one, often guys, less, lesser talented guys, resort to I, whatever it takes, if I have to tackle this guy, I'm going to tackle this guy. And they lose their technique. But Marquise came right back and executed his technique flawlessly, stuffing the, the guy that uh, had smoked him one more. And so on the rubber match, he did the same thing again. And it was – I knew then at that point, I said, okay, this guy has got something right here. This is going to be interesting to see where he goes. And, of course, we all know that he's most likely headed for a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it's one of those things that the best will always retool and recraft. You know, the the ones that are struggling will, will, will like you said, by any means necessary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Dan Campbell approach. Uh, <laughs> we'll bite kneecaps if we have to. Um, no, um, but but that, but that but that's a true test, right? And that that's pride in your work as well. If you're like, no, 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 I'm not going to result to doing something that's lesser than me. I know that I, I'm a technically sound individual. I mean, that was the way that I went about my business. I'm like, my technique and my consistency is what's going to prevail. You know, we, you know, I'm not going to settle for a momentary setback because that's all it is, is a setback. It's like I know that the course of a game and my deeds is going to ultimately outweigh whatever this rush and this guess, guesstimations are happening. And that's why I always relish competition. I always loved it. Never backed down from any of the best. Right. I mean, I'll never forget my freshman year of college. I was a I was an offensive guard. <clears throat> and they put me out there like, yeah, you're an offensive tackle now. And my fir- very first rep was against Alex Brown, mm. who coming into that year was already a two-time All-American working on his third <laughs> as a three-time <laughs> All-American. <laughs> Very first snap. I remember I said my stance. I was like, okay, I got to do this, 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 this. Ball snapped. He blew past me. I wasn't even out of my set. I was like, whoa. 
But <laughs> but from that from that point forward, I, it sets your mind. And it's like that was a setback. Okay, now I know this guy has one of the quickest first steps I've ever seen. And so I now prepared myself, and then I retooled in my head. Okay, this is what I need to do on the next going to make sure that I get back to my decisive advantage that I think that I have. And you just keep working that, and even going and you know coming up to the Steelers as a rookie. You know when you got when you have Joey Porter lined up over you, you know, a lot of decisions you know have to be made, especially when you know the resume that Joey had at that point. And then you go over to Clark Hagens, and then you have a young James Harrison, uh, and you're going up against the best. And I'm not going to fold. I'm not. I'm not going to give it to them. Yet, did they win? Yeah, they won their fair share. But I also won mine too. And and that's what you want because, like Cam said, it's iron sharpening iron, and that's what a great team does when you have great players you take advantage of that if you're on the opposite side of that and you learn from those great players you learn how they go about their business and you watch the guys in front of you at your similar positions the ones that are successful you watch how they do it I mean I, I did it so much I was trying to replicate Marvell Smith's stance and that was that was an that was an actual exercise in futility um, <laughs> nobody can do that stance and nobody has ever done that stance since it before or after <laughs> Marvell Smith he was just that type of player but it's but that but that that's a nod to them that's a nod to them and and their greatness and what you, and the respect that you give them to go and try and replicate those things but you always desire to be in that same position you desire to be better than you were every single play beautifully said my man next up is the man behind the mask a real singer or a football slinger Hey, you're listening to your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio. A lot of the Steelers. Steelers. The Steelers. We are always talking black and gold on SN. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Well, the rumor mill is grinding and flowing, and the rumor has it, that TB12, or Tom Brady, has been absent, of course, from Bucks training camp, but that he's absent because he's filming maybe The Masked Singer. Max, have you ever watched The Masked Singer? I will say this. I, I have watched The Masked Singer a couple times because I do love Ken Jeong's reaction when he gets things right or wrong. It's just it's <laughs> it's pure hilarity. Um, I've, I, I, can I've you enjoyed say, first of all, can you sing? Yeah. At one time in my life, yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I, well, I because I was I was in the choir um, in Ooh. ninth and tenth grade in high school, and I was a section leader in the choir. You're in a. I can't even. How, how small were the other people around you as you stood in the choir? <laughs> I mean, there were some bigger guys. There was a couple other guys. I what, mean, like six foot. Cousin, <laughs> yeah. Well, my cousin Demetrius is like six one. But okay. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were taller guys. There were taller guys. Okay. I mean, we had one guy called Stretch. He was like 6'3". Okay. Um, you know, we had guys that, that played others, you know, played basketball and football that were in the choir. So, yeah, we had some height. You know, I, I laugh because when you say Stretch, you know, here you are, you're 6'8", and Stretch is 6'3". You call him Stretch. It reminds me, I was up at training camp, and my, my uh, buddy, uh, uh, Dean Rutan from, uh, you know, down in Harrisville, 
Okay, he comes to camp yeah. with me one day, and so we're doing the radio show, and he's hanging out with me, me and Moose. You know, Moose is his nickname. He's a pretty big guy. He's like 6'3", 250 pounds, you know. And so Trey comes over, and he's on the show, right? So he's, you know, sitting there. We're talking away and everything, and then uh, we get. I introduce him and everything like that. So after the show's over, he shakes Dean's hand, and he, he goes, why do they call you Moose? <laughs> Because you know yeah. how big Trey was. You know, yeah. Trey was 350 pounds. Trey was, you know, 6'5". You know, I was. we're laughing and we laugh about it to this day. Why do they call you Moose? You know, because you're just not that big. And, yeah, well, it all it depends on your perspective. That's right. It depends on the perspective for a lot of nicknames. I mean, you know, because probably he could have been Caribou, maybe, <laughs> instead of Moose. Hey, Caribou. And I think the reason why we called him Stretch because stretch, he was tall and skinny. Okay. Right? It's almost like, you know, when you pull taffy, right, you stretch it. Oh, I mean, it's just, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you get these funny nicknames. I mean, mine was four for a long time by my great-grandmother. Uh, just called me four because I was the fourth. And, you know, at the time, <laughs> my, my grandfather, my dad and I, my great-grandfather had passed. But it was like, yeah, if, I, if all three of us are in the house, you, number system, three, four, yes. <laughs> junior, you know, <laughs> And that's just what my great grand so so four stuck with me my entire family on my uh, on my dad's they all call me four and, and, and it's like and when I hear it it's just you know it's a, it's a, it's that snap reaction even though it's like why are they calling you four I was like it's a pretty simple way but you, you had to have been there to know it I mean obviously you, you don't call me four solo by myself it was more so when I was around my dad and my grandpa you know that, <laughs> that you, you had to differentiate because you right. couldn't just say Max. You know, if you say Max, all three of us are going to answer. You're right. I got you. All right. Well, let me ask you this. All right, Tom Brady, he's not been in Tampa Bay, right? I mean, he's not been in training camp. He's been out. They said he wasn't going to play the first couple of weeks. Okay, so he's got something personal going on. Now, some people say he was taping the masked singer. Uh, some people said he was down in the Bahamas with uh, Giselle and the crew. Right? Um, we don't know. But Tom tweeted out. He said he wasn't on the masked singer but then he he, he he tweeted out a video of some dude wearing tb12 boxers doing a wheelie on a motorcycle i'm going oh i mean he's trying because the guy had a helmet on you couldn't see who it was and, I, and you're wondering that's not tomo is he what's he doing doing a wheelie on a highway on, on one of those uh super bikes yeah i mean li- listen i mean the man has been doing it for over two decades I right mean, if the man wants to step away, but yeah, he know, you know he's going to come back. Is he really gaining that much from training camp at this point with the same exact personnel? Right. And I get, yes, he has not missed a start, you know, since he was suspended and he plays the fourth preseason game under Belichick. But honestly, the man has won seven Super Bowls. Yeah. The man yeah. has been to, what, 11? 11 total. He's literally accounted for twenty percent of uh, just about twenty percent of the total Super Bowl appearances he's been in them. Okay? Now notice who did the math. That was you, yeah. not me. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it's like it's like come. I mean, I know we're parsing straws, and I know Antonio Brown had his had you know AB had his moments where he was talking about the 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 differentiation. Well, when you win seven Super Bowls and you've played for over twenty years, and even. At quote unquote your twilight years, you're still throwing for forty five hundred yards, five thousand yards passing. Um, you get an excuse. I mean, listen, I'm not. You're never going to be treated equally, but you should be fa- fair to say you can be treated fairly. And for his resume, he's being treated fairly, and I think people think it's unfair. But guys don't have that resume. Guys don't have the opportunity to be a game changer like Tom Brady is. 
The man has won it at two different places and played at a very high level at two separate places. And by the way, the previous place, he played there for 18 years. So, right. you know, you, you look at that and you're just like, you know, we get enamored with it because it's like, why isn't he here? Because this is the ultimate competitor, right? This is the MJ of football for mental, you know, creating chips on himself. And it's like, wait a second, he, stuck, he, took a, he stepped away? Oh, my gosh, he stepped away from practice. Now we're getting back to the Allen Iverson thing, right? Right. Talking practice? about practice balls? Practice? Yeah. Practice? Really? <laughs> but, right. But, I mean, but it would be cool to see that. I mean, hey, listen, it shows that he has personality. I don't think he can sing, but, I mean, you know, sure. <laughs> sure, if it is Mass Singer, okay. All now, right. Probably get eliminated is, soon. <laughs> the Wolfleys are known as, as whalers, okay? I come from a long line of noted whalers. Uh, my grandfather, Ed Palmer, um, you know, people at church would be they they'd turn around and look at him because he would be as someone described as the brain, you know, B R A Y I N G, the brain of a mule. You know, he ha he That's how tone deaf he was. You know, and people look yeah. around going, "Get Zooks that man." <laughs> He's so tone deaf. You can't sit. You can't sit by him because he he throws you off. You know. Well, of course, if you're a Wolfley, it doesn't matter because we're all tone deaf. But certainly, yeah. you know, for for Tom Brady, I, I look at that and I go, you know, it was interesting that somebody actually came up with a thought like that. You know, that he might be on that, and then he would find it humorous enough that he would tweet out some guy again wearing some of his. I guess he's got his own brand of boxers. You know, but if you're going to do that yeah. and you got a helmet on and that's all you're wearing, you are really uh, courting the uh, the asphalt uh, 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 jungle there, man. Because, I mean, you go down just wearing some uh, boxers, you're going to have road rash like you can't believe. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, listen, listen you know, I, and listen, there's been a lot of companies um, that, that, that like to uh, promote how, how, how theirs are different. <laughs> a rashless experience. I'm trying to figure out the best PC ways of saying this on the fly right now, Wolf. I got this you. Is, I'm putting you on the I, spot, I, baby. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Duluth Trading, ha, ha, I love their commercials. Oh, yeah, that's they, great. They, 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 they make great insinuations with pictures. It's great. Right. No, but, uh, you but know. The, 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 the key word is no stink. <laughs> no stink, exactly. No stink. And then, and then they had, like, the beaver and then, and then the bear. <laughs> right, right. Anyways. But, uh, but, I mean, hey, listen. I mean, hey, if, th- if that's what you want to – listen, his TB12 health plan was, like, selling out when he put it out there. You know, when he was talking about his, his vegan lifestyle and, and he has this performance plan where you eat this, you'll be as healthy as Tom Brady. And that stuff was selling out left and right. That was like hotcakes. So anything he puts out people are going to consume. I think he's realized the branding effect that he has, and so does Giselle. And Giselle would know that better than anybody. So you got your spouse telling you all these all these different things, and now you're capitalizing on them. Hey, listen, at this point in his life, what, what else is there? It's like do things to, to make you happy. I mean, you were considering retirement you know, just a couple months ago, and then you realized you were like Ricky Bobby's daddy. You were in fear of a good time. You're like, ah, all right. I got to go get kicked out of a, you know, a, a, a TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you? Th- what do you think happened there? What do you think when you know you come out and you say I'm done, and then all of a sudden it's like five minutes later. No, I'm undone. 
I mean, nah. I, I, you, you hit them with a nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to put it. They're like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to step away and spend time. He probably did. He probably had to answer one homework assignment with his kids in the math class. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going. I can only count to 11, guys. I can only count to 11. I'm back. It's, an o- it's an overload on your page. It's an overload on your page. I see way too many members on the left versus the right. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I just I look at that and I go, wow. You know, first of all, you, you were t- retired. Then you're unretired. Then you're not going to show up until, you know, uh, well, you got training camp. And then you're not going to play the first two games. So instead of taking reps, I like this. Instead of taking reps away from, you know, Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask and Ryan Griffin, uh, you know, I'll just stay away. Well, I, I was thinking about a period of time when, oh, I, I just don't want to take reps away from Brian Blankenship or, or some of the other guys. So I'll just stay out of camp, Chuck, for a little while. What do you think? I, I don't know. Yeah. It wouldn't have, I don't think it would have flown back in the day for me. Just I, I saying. Don't think it yeah, no, I, I don't think any of this. I mean, because you also look at like the NBA, right? It's load management. Like guys actually get regular season games off that are managed within the analytics of the game. Maybe maybe data analytics said Tom Brady doesn't need to play the first two preseason games. And he's following the, <laughs> that advice. I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, I, I, I can't imagine being away from the team, but I also can't imagine being in the league like 22 years. So, <laughs> so, so it's like one of those things, smarter heads. He understands him. He understands his body better. I yield to him. But at the same time, when you're trying to build a team, you have a new head coach in that position with Todd Bowles versus B.A. I know a lot of the staff looks similar, but you still have to build that camaraderie. I believe he, he was there for OTAs, correct? I believe so, yeah. I, yeah. I do believe so, that. So he, 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 met, he met the incoming freshman class, uh, you know, like, like a good dean should, right? <laughs> Welcome to your future here at Tampa Bay. There's a ship over there. Watch the cannon. Um, yeah, when I'm on the field, listen to me. All right, good, good talk. All right, I'll be on my way. I have a tea time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. I'm just uh, I'm just cruising on by, you know. It, don't worry. Yeah, I want. I I, I get, have plenty of guys to take you through the paces <laughs> to know what to do when I get back here. <laughs> and I, I will school each and every one of you at some point in time, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I I can see that. You know, I I I guess I just find it funny. You know, the fact that somebody would liken this to being on The Masked Singer because the only one that I knew that was on there was Terry Bradshaw back a while ago. And, uh, you know, I, I, it kind of piqued my interest to think, you know, that the TB12 would do something like that, especially a guy that eats avocado ice cream. I, I don't know. I, I've never what? had avocado ice cream. I, I don't think I'd like it. Well, I mean, it's avocado ice cream, but remember also what led to them uh, tossing and hoisting the uh, Super Bowl trophy in the bay there from boat to boat. Uh, he says a little bit too much of avocado uh, tequila or avocado oh, vodka. Yeah. yeah. So Oops. I was like, I was like, what what alcohols are you getting from an avocado? Because I eat avocado all the time, and I, it never gets me buzzed. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and you know, for ice cream, I would get it right because it, it, it's a creamier substance. It would. It would blend well, you know what I'm saying, like as as like a substitute for the silkiness of ice cream. But yeah, the avocado flavor. I mean, it would be one of those things where I don't know if I could eat a cold avocado, like outside of it being sliced like in a salad, like we did during training camp. But I, I don't know if I could do, yeah, pa- like pasteurized. <laughs> yeah, anyways, <laughs> uh, 
we're getting way too way too getting down in the weeds on this one of avocado uses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like Bubba Gump with the shrimp. You know, All right. fried shrimp, bubblegum shrimp, blueberry shrimp, peeled uh-huh. shrimp. Yeah, no, we're not going down that route. <laughs> Up next, Gerard Avery. Recently, uh, you know, cut from the Steelers. has already signed with Tampa Bay. What's that mean for Alex and TJ? We'll be back with more. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. So, Jannard Avery, the guy the Steelers signed this offseason, guy that's had 12 starts for the Eagles last year, guy that they paid over 150000 in bonus money. And, you know, when they signed a max, they they cut him. He didn't even make it to the, you know, the, the final cut, but they cut him. And he already landed a place in Tampa. He's already been signed with him. What does this mean for the backup spot with TJ and, and Alex? Uh, what, what, how do you see it unfolding here? Well, I think it it just lets you know that Derek Tuska, uh, Hamilka Rashid. Yes, see, yes, I, I, yeah, yeah. Right. See, I, I, I stopped myself as you well. You did. You did nice. Um, you know, are are guys that are, that are leading the charge right now for for those swing positions, and that Jannard Avery hasn't done enough, and then also Delonte Scott's still on the roster, right? So I think they still have some options in competition, but Jannard is not displaying what they initially brought him in for, what they paid him for. It wasn't showing up on tape um, enough to their liking versus the other guys and the prospects of what these other guys bring to the table. So I think that's just simply a matter of, you know, eliminating the uh, the bodies in the room so you can have a clearer picture for who is going to uh, have that opportunity. You know, I went back and watched some film yesterday of Hamilka Rashid. Rashid or is it Rashid? I can't. R- R- Rashid, Rashid. Okay, Rashid. Rashid Hamilka yeah. Rashid. Thank yep. you. You got to correct. There's only one e, but it's a long e. Okay. All right. So yeah. I got to put that little squiggly thing over top of it, right? That's oh, just the way a straight to do it. line. Just a straight just line. Just straight no, line. Okay. Tilda. Tilda. That's Spanish. No, <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that. We're not. We're not talking <laughs> punctuation. Hamilka Rashid. Yes, you well, watched film on him. <laughs> I did. Hamilka Rashid. Let's go back to the film. And the film says <laughs> yeah. you watch him, and I, I, I like. You know what? He's got a little more sophistication to his pass rush game than what I first kind of assessed him with. I thought he was just kind of like one of those camp bodies, but I don't know. Oh, you he, thought he was Mongo? You thought he was Mongo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's, he's more I run to the ball. I run to the ball. Yes. Yes. He looked like he had some skills that I, I hadn't really – I kind of overlooked because in my mind, I guess I was already settling on Gennard Avery as, as possibly being the backup. But you know what? The, it's wide open now. Well, I think so. I mean, because here's the thing: it, it, he he has discipline as far as his contained responsibility, but he also has power, right? Like he's a yes. guy that's going to try and get into your chest and try and create that long arm stab and shorten the box and force flow to the other outside backer if he's not available. And I think that's kind of some of the nuanced tactics. So when I watch this film, like you, like that's what I see. I see that he's actually thinking about the overall construction of the play, right? What are my responsibilities? Where's help? Because that's really the key. Like, like when you talk to the top-level defenders, especially at the linebacking positions, like they know where, where the you-me safety is, right? And yes. the you-me safety is the one that if I'm a linebacker, if I can force flow 
to the outside, I know my safety's there. Or if I have outside contain, I'm forcing everything back inside to the rest of the defense. Like, when you have that type of knowledge or you think in those type of terms, it helps you be a better team player. And I think that's something that we kind of overlook, right, because you're expected to just beat it every time, just win every snap. And it's like, no, there's there's a psychology behind this, and, and he's showing that. And Derek Duska, I mean, the guy plays hard. No, no matter what you say, you know, I mean, he's, I think he's limited in what he can do, but he does play hard. Yeah, he does. Okay. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> Way to wrap it up. <laughs> Folks, I want to thank you, Max. Thank you, brother. Way to be you on this show today. <laughs> you, you've been in the locker room with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas right here on the home of Steelers Nation Radio. Black and gold football lives here 24-7. You're listening to SNR.